Good evening, everyone. Good evening, good evening, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. It's a very warm Friday evening here in Bahrain. I'm recording this one a couple of weeks in advance, not that far in advance, a couple of weeks in advance uh, to when you guys will hear it on a Tuesday. Owner's Stories, if you haven't listened to an Owner's Stories before and you've just found the podcast and you're listening to this one, um, Owner's Stories is every Tuesday. Uh, the other episode we do is uh, me and Steve, my mate in Sydney who owns a 997 GT3. He's had many air-cooled. Uh, Steve and I chat on Fridays. Um but today we have another owner stories, and this is, um, I guess, it's a special one. And I know Ajmal at Flat Cap Driver was telling me that I should do something special for this number one, uh, for this number. But uh, I don't know. It's 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 not just a number. It's pretty important. Uh, this is number fifty. If you're wondering what wondering what I am talking about, this is number fifty of the owner stories. Um, I didn't want to do anything special. I just want these owner stories to be about you guys. This is how it is. This is how it's always been. I just want to say, though, during this period of owner stories, I have actually uh, been contacted by more well-known type of people. A couple, not a lot. I'm not going to say a lot, but a couple. But I haven't actually recorded as yet. Um, It's not saying that I won't, um, but owner stories was always about us. It was always about Porsche owners like me, like Steve, you know, we have a little bit of money. We might have, some of us might have more than others. Some of us might have collected cars over the years and have more Porsches, but we all got the same passion. Um, we're all just not, I guess not the little guys, but we're all just, you know, we're all just following our passion and, and wanting to be a part of the Porsche community and wanting to be enjoying the brand and, and living the brand. Uh, and I know there's a lot of people who've listened to owner stories who didn't have a 911 or a Porsche before they started listening to it or in all the Porsche school podcasts, I should say. And during that period, uh, you know, they bought a 911 and they've told me or they bought a Boxster or they bought a Cayman, which I think is what's really great about the series. And what I really, I guess one of the things I'm kind of proud of that it's like, I don't think that, you know, Steve and I always think, you know, we're just enthusiasts, we're just mates chatting about Porsche. We don't think we have, you know, not underselling ourselves, but we don't think we have, you know, amazing advice. We just chat about something that we really like. And I think that's what makes it, um, that's what makes it good for us. Uh, that's what makes it enjoyable. And, uh, you know, I guess that's what makes you guys also enjoy it. Anyway, this is number 50. Uh, I just want to say thanks to everyone that's been on owner stories, uh, from the very first, um, my mate Nick in London, uh, to Bobby, who we're about to introduce in a second, number 50. Uh, I just want to say thank you to all the owners. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for reaching out to me. Um, this this whole podcast uh, and everything associated with it, you know, Friday's episode with me and Steve is great, but I know you guys really love hearing other owners' stories. And if you guys didn't reach out to me and you didn't give me the time to chat and uh, be on this little podcast, then it wouldn't be uh, where it is today. So a big thank you to everybody and also to everyone that supports the podcast and listens to the podcast. But because we're talking about owner stories, uh, thank you to all the 50 owners who have been on owner stories to date. Anyway, I'm running a little bit late. Uh, Bobby's going to come online in about four minutes. Um, Bobby's coming in from Portland in Oregon in the US. Bobby's a first-time Porsche owner. I don't want to tell you too much about the story. I don't want to give too much away. Uh, Bobby reached out to me on Instagram. Uh, He's been sending me pics of cars he's owned before, and we've been chatting on and off. So let me get Bobby. Let's... uh, Let's connect by, via Zoom how all these owner stories are done and let's start talking about his Porsche Cooled owner story. 
Okay, welcome back, everyone. Like I said, this is Owner's Stories number 50, um, and I've got Bobby with me uh, coming in from Oregon in Portland. Portland in Oregon, sorry. I'm getting confused. Portland in Oregon. Good, uh, good morning, Bobby. How are you? Good morning. I'm well. Thank you for asking. I was just going to say, this is, uh, just so you know, your Owner's Stories number 50. This is actually the 50th episode of Owner's Stories. So you're, you've got a bit of a milestone episode, Bobby. You're part of, you're part of Porsche Cooled history. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Honored. So let's get straight into it. Uh, I'll tell the listeners, uh, Bobby reached out to me through Instagram, and we were chatting about his cars. Uh, he's his uh, first Porsche owner. We're going to get into that. But before we start with, you know, what, how it ended all up, we're going to start with how it all began. Um, so Bobby, you know, we all start at a certain place. Some of us have posters on the wall. Some of us uh, have, sometimes our parents own a Porsche, sometimes our, you know, our relatives own a Porsche or friends own a Porsche. How did it all start for you? Did you start noticing 911s or Porsches when you were younger or was it something uh, that happened later in life? I think it was younger, you know, when I had the matchboxes and I was always collecting matchboxes when I was a kid and, and had a Porsche and all, all kinds of cars, Corvette, you know, that I played with. So I, I always loved cars, but I think the most memorable moment was, it was my freshman year in college. Uh, I went to Western Oregon University here in Oregon and probably about 1984 and we had had a neighbor who were brothers and they were from the Middle East and they were here going to school and they both had really nice cars. I think at the time they were like the Nissan 240 ZXs and I thought those were amazing cars. Well, they had a, uh, a party time and they invited some friends from out of town and this guy comes in with a black Porsche with this huge fin on the back. And I was, you know, what, what is that? And he goes, oh, it's a Porsche 911 turbo with this huge whale fin. I was, I, that was the craziest car I ever saw until his other friend came, this same party. This was right across the street. He had a uh, Lamborghini Countach with okay. the big wing. It was white. And so I had both those cars there. And you look at the Countach and you're like, what planet did this come from? Right. I is I was just staring at it, but there was something about the nine eleven that was just sexier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It just it just it was just amazing looking car, but the lines blended. When you looked at the Countach, it was almost overwhelming to look at because there's so many angles, so many things going on. It was so, you know, the look was so advanced for its time, but the 911, it just, the rounded front fenders and the lights, I, I just instantly fell in love with, and I love that big whale tail. I just was like, oh my gosh, this looks like a piece of art. It was beautiful to me and the, and the Lamborghini was beautiful, but it was just overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's some. My... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I think that's something that that's that sticks in all of our minds, really. You know that that tail on the Porsche, isn't it? I mean, it's something that you, even if you don't know what model it is or you don't know what it is, it's like you see that tail and you see the size of it and you see the shape of it. Um, and it's like when you first, like what you said about the lights, when you first buy a 911 and you're driving it and you see your the shape 
you know, you see the shape of the front of the car and the headlights and you realize what you're in. You realize the, you know, the heritage of what you're driving. You know what I mean? It's been around for so long and those iconic features. But that's not a bad two-car collection these days, isn't it? The 930 Turbo, the oh, 911 wow. 930 Turbo and a Countach. I know, you know, they're different, they're polarizing, but, you know, they go really well together as a collection, I think. That's for sure. It, it was. It was amazing to see them for the first time together just unexpected, right? They just pull up. And, it's, yeah, it's Countach was so loud. I remember that. Right. Very right. loud car. So those two cars are in your mind. You're thinking, how can I get one? How can I, how can I get to that level? How does your car journey start? What are the cars that you, that you start to get into that, that are memorable and you still think about today? And you think, mm, that's, that, was a, that was a great, great car to own during my car journey. journey. Ironically, I, it, early on, probably until I was, I'm 55 now, it was probably until I was about 48, I was super responsible with my money. Uh, the, I, I loved cars, but I never really bought a car that didn't fit a need, right? I had a pickup truck because I, I was a police canine handler for a long time, and it was a way to transport my my canine partner outside of work, maybe to the river or something like that. It was always a, a use. Um, but what I used to do, and you can laugh at me, is I always dreamed of owning a Porsche. So I would go to, I would see cars advertised at different dealerships, right? And I wouldn't pick a Porsche dealership. I'd pick a Toyota or an Acura. Right. And I'd see that they would have a 911 there. And I would go and pretend that I was interested in it just so I could drive it. Right. And I, I must have did that four or five times over oh, really? the years. Yeah. I would just, anytime I had a bug, like I said, okay, I, I'm going to buy something special. Um, I would go test drive it. And, and then I would rationalize, ah, you know, I have, you know, I've got a family, I'm buying houses, I'm saving for retirement. And, and so but it's keeping uh, the dream alive, uh, though, isn't it? You're keeping the dream alive. It was That's keeping the dream because, alive. Because, you know, you're going out and you're test driving these cars with maybe no intention of buying them at that time. But you're still enjoying these different... No and different no intention. And you're, in, and you're enjoying... You're getting to know the 911, aren't you? you? You know, you're driving, obviously, at different times, different years, different models. You know, so it's like... I kind of like it. I kind of like that, you, you know, you're keeping it there for later on and, you know... We'll come back. I to was that. trying to find out what I did like. Right? I mean, I drove <laughs> some Cabriolets and some Targas. And, right. Uh, one one turbo, which is the turbos back then were crazy. I mean, for back then they were super fast. Now it's you know you could get a base model Tesla that would exactly exactly. It. So these were um, these were air cooled not these were air cooled Porsches. Then we're talking about eighties and eighties and nineties, right? That's what we're talking yes. about. Yes, and okay. then probably. You know, I think maybe about seven to 10 years ago, a friend of mine, Ron, bought uh, a 98, um, I think it's an SC, uh, red. Oh, that car was gorgeous. That kind of got me thinking about it is he took me for a ride and it let me drive it. Um, and I was like, I want to. I think I, I need to find a way to buy a Porsche. Um, it was, and that's when it really started again. 
And so being my wife is super responsible with our money. And when I brought the uh, subject up and I was get, getting closer to retirement, um, uh, here in Oregon, we're, if you're a police officer and you've been in the system for over 30 years, you can retire at, at a younger age. Okay. Plus, if you're smart, you do a lot of other investing over the years uh, to help you get there. That being said, I decided this was something I wanted to start before I stopped working and talked to my wife about buying something special. Wasn't sure what Porsche definitely was there. I was also thinking about the Corvette. I love Corvettes. Mm -hmm. Um, And she just was really balking at the idea. And so I said, well, what if I do and it doesn't cost us any money? And she laughed and said, yeah, sure. Go ahead. You can do it then. So uh, there was a point where uh, we bought her a new car, uh, okay. which I love that car. BMW um, 535D with the M Sports package. Okay. It's a diesel. Yeah. Oh, boy, what a great car. Love that car. I thought that was going. To, what model year is that one? Uh, yeah, 2016. Okay. And I really thought that that was going to kind of fix the bug, right? Um the, the the diesel has a lot of torque and it's fun to get on it. It's a heavy car. It didn't. So I had a 2006 Mercedes ML 350 that we've owned since it was new. And I was driving that. Um, we gave uh, her car, which was like a Toyota Corolla or, or Camry to our son when he was in college. Um, and so she needed a new car. That's when we bought the BMW. Well, I had a Toyota pickup, a 2013 Toyota pickup that I owned. And I thought, I'm going to continue to drive the Mercedes, which I like. And I'm, I was looking the values of the Tacoma. And they right. were pretty high back then. That was six years ago. And yes. I sold it for about thousand dollars less than I paid for it brand new. Wow. That's and, I, good. and it was, yeah, it was five years old, uh, when I sold it. So I took that money and I started looking for a car. And my idea was I, I watched a TV show on the discovery channel, uh, where, um, I think it was a guy from Wheeler dealer. He was flipping cars to get to a quote, supercar okay. from buying just like a, a Honda Civic or something. He was flipping up how far he could get. And I think he ended up getting a Corvette at the end. Like this, yeah, this is where you just surprised me before when you just said about your car journey, you said it was quite sort of normal mundane type cars. You know what I mean? And then I, yep. you know, the images that you sent me, the two images of the cars you sent me weren't just normal mundane cars. <laughs> they were actually no. very cool, very cool cars. So I want to get into those. And we're leading on to that. We're leading on to that. And this is the part of your story, which I think the listeners will enjoy is that, you know, all of us have, you know, we all have priorities. We all have these priorities. We have life priorities, um, you know, thinking about a retirement, thinking about f- the future or whatever. Um, and then you get to a point where you go, okay, I know I still want a 911. How am I going to get it? And it's not always, you know, it's not always to come, easy to come up with the funds. We might not want to get a loan. We're going to make our way up to it. I like how you've, you've worked this out, Bobby, and you thought, okay, this is my goal. And I'm going to buy these cars. And the cars you bought, which you're going to get into now, you've really enjoyed, right? They were great cars. I mean, especially- I've owned each of them for two years. 
Yeah, and then you've 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 moved those cars on to get your dream Porsche. So just tell the listeners yes. how 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 you did that and what was the first car that you you purchased because you had the pickup and then you said you sold the pickup, didn't you? I did. I sold the pickup and I and I owned it. I like to pay cash for cars. I don't like take loans out. Um, so when I sold it, like I said, I got a thousand dollars less than I paid for it, and I started shopping and I was looking specifically. For for cars I liked and cars I thought that I could get at a low enough price that I could put some sweat equity into it and flip it down the road and enjoy it. Yeah. And so the first car I bought was a 1969 um, Camaro. Yeah. Uh, it was um, garnet red metallic and with had painted black stripes that were kind of a little smoked in it. Uh, some things that I did to that car. Well, it's funny is I I, when I got it, I parked yeah. it in the third bay of our garage, took a picture of it, sent it to my friend, uh, at work. Um, I, I was, I was still working, but I was off site. Uh, like I said, I was a canine handler and I was in a different unit. Right. And so my friend worked for my wife and he was on patrol and I sent him this picture and then uh, he showed it to my wife and said, oh, look, Bob just bought a new car. <laughs> and I hadn't told her yet. <laughs> okay. Can I ask you a question? You sent me the picture of that car, that Camaro. Yeah. And, and, and it looks fantastic. It's got the chrome wheels. It's, you know, it, the color is amazing. Yeah, the, and the paint, wheels on the it. The paint is amazing. And it's got that little lip at the front. I don't know much about Camaros. I'll be honest with you, Camaros. Um, yep. Was it like that when you bought it or did you get it to that stage? How, how was the condition was- when you bought it? The condition was really nice when I bought it. It didn't have any suspension work done to it. And the interior, the seats were done, but the dash and the gauges were really old. Some of them didn't work. They were original. Um, So what I did was um, work some overtime, save some money into an account, you know, and uh, a friend of mine, I always say that he's a surgeon and I'm the trauma nurse <laughs> is that he, he I, I'm not super handy with cars. I'm a great helper. Yeah. I take great direction. Yeah. Um, he has a lift and uh, he was, for, I knew he had built a Camaro. He remodeled or resto modded a Camaro himself. Right. So we did new front suspension, new, you know, Hoskins leaf springs in the back. We lowered it about an inch and a half, uh, put traction bars on it. Then I, we took the dash apart. I put all new gauges in it that updated gauges that were retro looking. Yep. Um, is that a, is that a rare Camaro or Camaro? Is that a, is that like a, just a a sought after one? It, It wasn't, but what I did is I made it a tribute car. When I first got it, it it just looked kind of like you see it. But then what I did is I went and got Z28 badges and I rebadged it as a Z28. Um, And the reason why I did is I had, I do what everybody else does. I'm on the internet looking at other cars, you know, like now it's 911s that I look at (laughs) and I, I got ideas and I say, you know what, this car would look great with some Z28 badging. Yeah. So I did that, put Z28 badges on it. Um, and then, you know, I, I drove it 
for a long, for two years, but it, it, the car cheated on me, okay. Michael. I threw a lifter when it was supposed to be a brand new motor and then incurred the unexpected cost of doing a lot of engine work to it. All right. And so after that, it, it was, it was time for her to leave the stable because I just didn't trust her. Solid car, the motor, we rebuilt the motor completely, okay. but that was kind of the tipping point for me to move on to the, to my next venture. So then comes the next one. This is on the journey to get to get the 911. You've still got that 911 in the back of your mind, right? This is what we're working towards, getting a 911. Yes. So the 69 Camaro, did that did you make money or lose money on that? Did you come out okay? I I came out okay. Um I did very well. Oh, that's good. I, that's good. I held it just long enough. I did just the right mods, but this is the interesting part of the story. So remember I was talking about my friend at work that I texted the picture and he Yes. Told my wife, oh, it looks like you got a new car. He's, he's another canine handler. We've been friends for a long name, time. His name's Todd. And we talk about cars all the time on the phone almost every day, just about different things. And one of the things that we always say is, uh, what are you looking at now? If I gave you, say, $50,000, what would you buy, Todd? Right. Yep. And he's like, oh, I found it. I found this factory five racing uh, 65 Shelby Cobra replica. Okay. Really? And he goes, I'll send you the uh, link. It's on Craigslist. It's local. Wow, I haven't seen one of those local. I'm, I know Factory 5 Racing is made in Massachusetts, and that's where, that's where I'm from, so I'm familiar with the brand. Right. Um, so he sends me this link, and I'm on the phone talking cars like I am talking with you. And while I'm there, and I, I click on the link, and I look at it, and I said, black with silver stripes, 331 stroker, 507 pounds of torque, 447 horsepower this thing is gorgeous it really is Big, a beautiful looking huge car huge tires on the back mm. oh my gosh so there was a contact button on the craigslist ad right and i knew the guy was local and i sent uh, i sent him a text with a picture of the camaro okay and i all i wrote was are you interested in a trade all right and he was asking he was asking uh, high 40s uh, for the Cobra at the time. This was two years ago. Right. And I, I paid, I'll, I'll tell you what I paid for the Camaro back in the day was I paid 30 for it. Um, okay. So I'm thinking, well, you know, this might be, an up, this is definitely an uptrade for me. We'll see what I can work out. Yeah. And so he texts me back and says, yes. And I text him back when and we, the next day it was raining that day. I did. I never drove the Camaro in the rain. And I said, imagine that raining in Oregon. Um, <laughs> luckily I got a clear day the next day. And so I met up with him, but I told my friend, I said, Hey, I got to go. I'm, I'm uh, trying to work at a trade for that, that Cobra that you sent me. And he's just like, you're killing me. I don't know. I got to go. He says, whatever. Right. So the guy texts me back and he's an attorney here in Portland. Right. And we agree to meet and I pick him up at his office and I take him for a ride. And, um, and I'm having a good time riding ahead of 3d three stroker. Mine did uh, super, a lot of torque, super fast car, fast in a straight line, not, yeah. not Porsche fast. And I could see him smiling from ear to ear when I, I wouldn't let him drive it. Um, <laughs> I just didn't want him to put it in the ditch. Right. It yeah. was, it was, yeah. it's a, it was a crazy the Camaro was crazy. Uh, 
take him for a ride. He goes, well, let's head to my house. I'll show you the Cobra. So we go up to his house and he, and uh, I parked the Camaro outside and there's a three car garage. And then he's got some other an out garage with some other classic cars in there. And he opens the garage doors and I see this McLaren parked right next to the Cobra. Okay. And I'm thinking, this guy is a car guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, let me just tell the listeners, you sent me this image as well. And I was a bit knocked out by it. You know what I mean? Um, it really is. There's something about those Cobras, but I want you to explain to the listeners before we go any further, what is factory five racing? What is that all about? Because people who don't know about Cobras. There's, there's a big replica market for some of these older cars and factory five racing out of Massachusetts. Um, they make, I've been, uh, imagine this. I got so into it that when I was back visiting family, I made my wife go to the production plant, met the owner and, he, and got a tour, <laughs> right? That's okay. just hundred percent my personality. If I'm yeah. in, I'm all in. Yeah. So, um, they make the frames there in house. Uh, they make, uh, the bodies, um, the suspension, everything except the motor and the transmission. Okay. And you buy it as a mostly, uh, mostly a, the frame is all assembled, but as a kit, and then you put it together. Okay. Um, either by. Sorry, Bobby, this is like a very respected sort of kit sort of car in a way like this is the replica shelby it's a bit like uh beck do with the with the porsche speedsters and spiders right it's yes. a similar sort of thing similar yes. reputation they've been around for a long time is that is that a, a good comparison yes. factory five racing has an excellent reputation um and two ways you do it either find a automotive shop that will put it together for you and build it yep uh or if if you're a real wrench turner. You, you do it yourself and you have the privilege of is instead of I bought it, I built it, but okay. they're not inexpensive. If you're going to buy a, uh, a quote kit new, it's with everything. It's just the parts. It's probably about 47,000 us dollars just for the parts. And then you still have together. So that's no engine or you have to, you have to, supply your own engine that, that that would include your engine but you'd have to buy a crate engine but just and what parts, engine what engine do they put in those this one was a you can do anything from a 427 right uh to a this one had a uh 331 stroker and what that is is they take a ford racing 302 and they bore it out put longer pistons in it and it's a 331 stroker that's what i had okay so it's a fun and, car so you go to this you go a, to the you go to the lawyer's house you see he's got a car collection you're in your 16 you're in your 69 camaro and he's yep. got this shelby and how this is what the bit i always find really complicated when you're doing a trade how do you work out the value for value uh this this is the best part of the story and so i'm looking at it and i'm thinking to myself i've got to have this car but yep. my wife is not going to let me spend a nickel okay. of money because that was our agreement. Is yep. I can flip cars, but I can't add money <laughs> <Okay>. to it. <laughs> but is she and going so to believe was, you? Is she going to believe you that you didn't spend any money? Yeah, this is the thing. She she, she keeps <laughs> she keeps she she's the money person in our relationship, okay. so she's going to know. All right. So I, I'm looking to move the Camaro. She it was really loud. She didn't like riding in it. Yep. Uh, we couldn't really talk. Um, 
So I, I see this car and he goes, uh, why don't you go ahead and back it out? But it's parked next to the McLaren. Right. And I'm thinking there's no way I'm backing this car out. Right. So I ask him to, to do it. And, um, his name's Kevin, Kevin gets in the car and we end being friends later. He gets in the car and Kevin's tall. He's got to be six, five, six, six. Right. Right. And I'm only five ten. Right. He gets in the car and two things I immediately notice. One, his big feet is having to get into the, the uh, box right. where the pedals are. And then his head is so far above the windshield. <laughs> I'm giggling going, I know why he's getting rid of this car. He can't drive it. He can't even fit in it. So he, he backs it out. Um, and I'm, it, it sounds amazing with those big pipes and, and yeah. it's like, I gotta, I have this matchbox car too. Yeah. Right. And I gotta have this car. Uh, and so we go back and forth on the price. He's first, he's like, I'll take your car in 10 grand. Right. I'm like, Nope. And then we, I talk about my car for a while. He goes, okay, I'll, I'll do you a solid, uh, your car in five grand. Okay. And I'm thinking, Nicole's going to kill me if I do a hundred dollars, let alone five grand. Right. And so I just threw a flyer out there and I said, you know what? I just saw you try to back that car out. You can't even fit in this car. You're not going to enjoy it. You got to move this thing. And I saw what you looked like when you were riding in mine Yep. and you look like a 13 year old boy again. He's like, Oh, I love that car. I took my hand out and I said, straight across. <laughs> so deal done. He paused and shook my hand. He goes, I might regret it, but I really like that Camaro. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and that was it. We signed titles over. I brought the title with me. And Fantastic. We signed titles over right there. Yeah. So did you win in he, that deal? You won in that deal, didn't you? That car was worth slightly I, more than I, yours, right? It, yeah, I won. That's how I went up. Yeah. Is I won in that deal. Okay, um, so how many, that was two years ago, right? Is that two years ago? That was two years ago. So you've been driving the, Camar- the, the Shelby for how long? How yep. long was it before you decided, okay, I think the values of these have shifted. COVID's done a lot of crazy things with car prices. You've been, right. enjoying, the, you've been enjoying the Cobra. How was the Cobra though compared to the Camaro? Did you like, which one did you prefer? Um, they were different cars. You know, the, 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 the Camaro originally was what drew me to that was that was the car the 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 rich kid had, you know, growing up that, that, you know, I could never afford. Um, yeah. It would look at it in hot rod magazines, those type of things. Um, but there's something super sexy about a Shelby Cobra, 1965 Shelby Cobra. If you watched uh, Ford versus Ferrari, yeah. you know, that, that it's, it's talked about there. Um, the reason what I love most about cars is to me, it speaks to freedom. I can get in the car and just go anywhere I want to. Yep. And, and I'm making decisions on the fly and I, I love being connected to a car, shifting it, feeling the horsepower. Uh, it just forgets, you know, being a police officer, as long as I was, there's, you know, you, you take home some trauma and this was my way of escaping it is just blocking it out. Cause you have to focus on the driving. So yep. pure driving experience, the Cobra was hands down better. 
it was so light and so scary fast. It is. Is um, it a scary car to drive? Well, it is quite oh, a scary, scary car to drive. Yeah. It was. It was nuts. It was. If you drove it, Michael, you would just. There, there's no anti-lock brakes. There's no there's aids, right? There's no nothing power at all. steering, right? Yeah. There's there's no power brakes. Right. Um, there's so if you shut the ignition off, they're, they're really made to go take it on the track on classic car day, right? Um, had it it drove like a go kart. It was it just handled so well. And the noise but would there be was crazy. No forgiveness. Huh? Right. Yeah. No forgiveness. How does it? How does that work in the U.S. though with these sort of replica cars? They're not a problem to get registered. How do they get past all the all the rules and regulations? Are they classed as a '65 car? Is that how they do it? Or it was. They- it was titles as a 1965 Factory Five Racing Shelby Cobra was the was the was the model. Right. Um, so it was. I had it titled as a 1965. So I didn't have to go. I didn't have to go through our DEQ, our emissions control. And we yes. don't have vehicle inspections here in Oregon like they do in Massachusetts where you have to get an annual vehicle inspection to make sure it's safe. Right. Um, as long as it passes emissions control, not polluting, then you're good to go. So when you over the time you owned the Factory 5 Racing um, Shelby Cobra, was there any issues with the car? Was it quite reliable or did you have any things you had to fix, you had to – get your friend to help you fix or you fixed yourself it was it was super reliable the engine engine was solid it had a tremec five-speed transmission that oh, was good. it's just nice. bulletproof yeah yeah nice and um great transmission scary fast though yeah. i mean because it's a fiberglass body and and you're yeah it's i've scared a couple people by going really fast really quick <laughs> But it's all fun. torque, right? So you got to be careful. Yeah, super fun. What it started to do yep. was little things started to vibrate loose. Oh, okay. Like the, the door latch on the driver's side. I was driving one day and the door flew open. I was like, okay. All right. Uh, my wife would kill me if that was her door and we were doing this. Yeah. yeah. And the trunk lid, um, it the the there's a little bra- – a little uh, – chrome piece that goes in that holds the two parts of the uh the hinge together that right. vibrated out and when i you know so little things started going through and that and that's common for cars that people built themselves right i just it was time to move on because i only had two thousand miles on it i knew there was value there okay. and um at this point I had ruled out getting uh, a Corvette because my wife was like, look, you're not going to look like a 50-year-old man that's <laughs> having a midlife crisis driving a Corvette. It's off. But I'll tell you, you know what? Dollar for dollar, Corvette is an amazing car. It's not a 911. Which model? But it's an amazing car. Which year, though? Uh, uh, I was looking to buy very last year the 2019 Z51. Right. Um, right. Is, I was given a gander. But my eye was always on the 911, especially because of my friend Ron's car. It was it gorgeous. And a couple of guys at a place I played golf with, they have Porsches, the 997 okay. model. And that really pushed me. So you've been seeing them around. You've been seeing the 997. I, I'm just wondering and here because you've got, you've got, you know, you've got muscle cars. You've got a 69 Camaro. Yep. You've got a factory five racing, you know. 
going, and I want to know how your, your process went from here. Um, Bobby, because like you know, you're starting to look, you're thinking you you know you're sitting on something, you're sitting yes. on this factory five racing, you know it's worth money. The price, the market is going crazy. Replica, I know that even with the Beck uh, replicas for the Porsches, I know that those prices jumped a lot during COVID, and and the waiting list for them got a lot longer. I was reading and and I watched a few videos about that. So obviously there's a demand. The demand is increasing. What makes you though? What makes you so you decide to sell the factory five? How do you go about that? Do you sell it privately? Do you sell it to a dealer? I, I what do you do? I sold it privately. Okay. I sold it privately to somebody who turned out to be a dealer. Okay. Um, little shenanigans going there, but I made really good money on it. That's good. Um, and I was able to put that towards my next purchase. And how we got there is um, my wife is my, my best friend. I, I spent a lot of time with her and she just didn't like riding any of those cars. And I asked her, uh, surprise, got a surprise answer. What, what do you, what do you want me to get that we can go wine tasting and we can go to dinner. We can do fun couple stuff with, she said, my, my dad had a nine eleven, okay. and I love that car. And I was like, I married the right person. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I forgot that her dad had a 911. That was right. before that we got married. It was when she was younger. And at that moment, it was solidified what I was going to get. Okay. So and you it know just, it's a 911. So what do you, you – you've got friends at, you know, who have got 997s. You see 997s. So what do you start looking for a 997 straight away or do you start looking nope. at 996s, which might be a little bit lower in price? I started looking at the impact bumper 911s. Yes. You know, the in the early 80s. Yes. Um, so 83? I think the 930s are, uh, no, 80, 84 to 86. Okay, yes. Um, and I know the 930s were technically the turbos, right? Is that right? Yes, correct. Yeah, and what I started realizing was that I had looked everywhere, right? Craigslist bat. Uh, classic cars, yep. Hemmings, and if you wanted something that was nice, had usually had high mileage, yes, you know, well over a hundred, or um, it just needed a lot of work. And so then, you know, I I get my like I said, my friend has a um, a nine nine three, a ninety eight, the last of the air cooled. <laughs> I looked at that for like a second and said, okay, that's way too expensive. I was going to say the prices right? are high on those for sure. Everywhere. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, so then um, I asked a friend, Hey, what, what year do you have? And he said, I, I have a 2007. Right. And it was a nine, nine, seven. And uh, just love that car. Um, so I tried to buy his, except he had an automatic. And I didn't know it was an automatic and I didn't want one. I wanted a, a manual because I like that connection. Yep. So that, I mean, Craigslist, bring a trailer, uh, local dealers. I was everywhere looking for this car. And I, I land. Sorry, Bob, but let me interrupt for a second. When did you start looking for the 911? How long ago? Uh, about six months ago. So six months ago, so six months ago, the prices are on the on the rise, right? They're starting to go up. Yep. 997 prices are going up as well. So, okay. Yep. Sorry, go ahead. And so I missed, I kind of missed the window because you look at that and you look at what it was a year ago and it's like, yeah. 
should have sold, but it's all, it all equals out. I always tell people, you know, it's like, if you sell high, buy high, it's, it is what it is. Um, so what I would do is I, I went back to what I knew is I, I would go to dealers and drive cars that had nine, nine sevens. I really didn't know what color, what color did I like? This was going to be a big purchase for me. This was hopefully the last one. I doubt it. Car guys are car guys. <laughs> it right? We always the have a wandering one. eye. No, but I'm telling my wife that, and, yeah. and if she's listening to this, to this, uh, I meant it. We say I that. It, we all Nicole. say that to our wives. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you know, I was looking at color combinations, uh, options, all those type of things, and it's it's a little overwhelming. The prices were high. Yep. I wasn't willing to. Um, I was going to have to add to my budget. Uh, from, from other savings that I had, um, to get me what I really wanted. Cause I think I was about 10,000 off of what I thought I could get in what really what I wanted, what it was going to cost. Okay. So, you know, you want a 997, right? And it's a great car. You know, I have a 997. I have a base career yep. 997, 2006 model. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that you want a manual because, you know, you've come out of the, the factory five racing Cobra and you've come out of the Camaro Camaro. You know, so it makes sense that you want a manual for the driving experience. And it also makes sense looking at a 997 compared to, say, well, compared to an 80s Carrera because, you know, let's be honest, they're a bit rough inside. You see them for sale. They're not perfect. You know what I mean? you still got to spend money to get them exactly to be comfortable. Right. Yeah. The 993 is probably better. But then, like you said, price point is, is way too high on 993s, especially if you want a Carrera S or a Carrera 4S. It's just insane. In Australia, the prices have gone absolutely insane on those cars. And they're so hard to find as well. They're not easy to find. So you're looking for a 997. Do you think, okay, I just want a base Carrera. Do I want a Carrera S? What do you start looking for? Or does the car just come to you? How does that come about? A, a little bit of both. I, I drove a, I call it root beer, but I think it's macadamia nut. And took my wife to drive in it. And it was a 2008 4S. She hated the color. I, I liked it. It wasn't my first choice. Um, and that's when I knew I wanted a 4S. I drove it. When every year we have to go through what's called EVOC, Emergency Vehicle Operation Course, and we have to get certified and driving fast. And we go out to Portland International Raceway. And I remember when I went from um, a non all wheel drive police car to an all wheel drive police car, I instantly got to be a 30% better driver. Uh, okay. And, and so I wanted that all-wheel drive. Where a lot of the purists, when I was reading, I mean, listening, you were part of your guys's podcast was part of my journey also because I w- wanted to educate myself. And you're really the only 997 podcast out there. And even though you talk about all generations of Porsches and Porsches in general, I learned a lot about. We love 997s. Oh, I love 997. <laughs> I went back, and you, you. I went back in your archives and found podcasts where you talk about different things. Yeah, IMS bearing, the bore scoring, to the interior, to the and to really educate myself. And that's where I landed on the 997. I was because it was a big purchase. I was uncomfortable doing it myself. And when I was playing golf with a buddy of mine, he says, "Hey, I use an auto broker. I bought a." Um, whatever the midsize Porsche SUV, you got the GTS is it's the, um, Macan, the Macan. Thank you. He got the GTS and he says, this guy found it. He knows his Porsches. And so he gave me his card. If I can say his name, he helped me out a lot. I'd love to. 
Yeah, of course. Um, okay. Todd Staverett, West Coast auto enthusiast. He's in Beaverton, Oregon. Um, great guy. I told him what I wanted. He knew I, what I was doing, all the things I just told you. Uh, he educated me more about Porsches, thought that, you know, we talked about the 996, the 997, the 991. He really felt the value was in the 997. As he called it, it was the last of the analog Porsches. And he was saying this. And he educated me about, you know, the 99, the 997.1 versus the 997.2. Yes. The point two, because of the 2008 crisis, you know, financial crisis, yes. Porsche just really wasn't making cars during those times. And so... No. 2008 is really like the 4S Porsche worldwide only made 3,600 4Ss. Uh, it went down to, I want to say the next year, like 2,200 and then down to 1,100. So they're really hard to find. Yeah. I heard rarity. And so, well, which one of these rarities can I afford? I'm thinking value for my dollar, right? Something yes. that's rare tends to be worth more. Um, so we started the search. And he was looking and we he he found a car that another dealer was trying to sell. And it was the price was way up there. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of watching it, waiting for it to come to auction. At the same time, I was still doing my research of driving cars for free, right? Yes. And a, a, a quick segue, I thought. There was a moment that I was moving away from a 2008 4S is I saw uh, another guy I played golf with. I saw his 991 in okay. the parking lot at the golf course. And I went, oh, that's got a lot of fun, updated stuff. Yeah. But you would, you would I, only get, wouldn't you only get a 991 Carrera for the same price as a 997 4S, right? It would, it would be exactly. about the same exactly. sort of price. I'm going by Australian UK prices. It's about the same price. Or maybe yes, even the 991 is a bit more get. expensive. But I think going back to your point, Bobby, is a very good point. The rarity of the 4S. And I think people forget about this. And also the appeal of the 4S because of the wide body. You know what I mean? That wide back, you know, I keep saying it. And I noticed it when I was in my friend Nick's car in the UK when we went out to um, Goodwood. You know, looking through the revision mirror and seeing the, 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 the rear how much wider yeah. it is than mine. And the first thing the I hips. thought, wow, why does that look so different through the revision mirror? Because it really is that so much wider. The rarity, the fact that you've got the manual transmission on the 4S. And I still think the 4S, and maybe I'm thinking Australia here, but the 4S is a little bit like the turbo where a lot of people spec'd it in auto. They didn't always spec it in manual. Do you know what I mean? And I think that makes it even yeah, a little didn't. bit more unique. Yeah. Yes. Just uh, to, to this part up, I saw a local dealer had one and it was just a Carrera four. Okay. And it had a minor accident, which I wanted to stay away from. Um, but if I could get a smoking deal on it, so I went in there and lowballed it and we we're kind of going back and forth. And I called Todd on the phone, who's trying to find me a car yep. and asking him for advice. And he was just a great guy about it. Let's talk this through. You can buy it if you want, you know, but let's talk this through. And, what I came to is it's like, I, I don't want this car, right? I'm going to have to explain why it was in a minor accident. I was able to find the owner yep. uh, through internet searches and talk to him about the car. Um, but it wasn't the car I wanted. 
But if I didn't go look at it, drive it, do those things, I wouldn't be where I am today where I'm confident. Within four days, uh, maybe a week, Todd calls me back and says, remember that 2008 two-owner California car with 57, I think it had 57,000 miles on it. Wow, that's good. Um, That was black with the natural brown interior which was like, check, 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 check of all the things I wanted. Cause I remember I said, Michael, I went and drove and saw cars. Yes, yes. So I kind of built the car in my head I was looking for. And that's why it was taking so long. And so was this a local car? Was it a local car or not? It, it was a California car. Okay. So where was it? Was it, was it for sale in Oregon or was it for sale? Is it, it for sale in California somewhere? It was for sale in California. And because he's a broker, right. Um, he's, it, it bells and whistles go off when certain cars just drop yes. for him and he's looking at, and he's able to deal dealer to dealer to try to get that, you know, how Todd will make his money is he tries to buy it as low as he can and then sells at the price. We agreed on a price. Todd and I did oh, before. Okay. okay. And it says, I'll get you this car for this price. So you want to pay for that and it, back and forth. And, and I, I had to go up realizing the Porsche market was going up. Yes. And what I wanted was expensive and what I want your listeners to hear is when you're looking for a Porsche, the number one, especially a 997, the one piece of advice I can give you is make sure you're looking apples to apples, not apples to oranges. What I mean yeah. by that is if you have a 2008 4S and you have two of them and they look identical, right? They're not. Yes. Go get your VIN decoder. Get what that sticker price was and yep. what those options were. Because, you know, my car, uh, I was looking at a car local and Todd was able to explain it to me. And when I really looked at it, I looked at Vindicoder and I put them up next to each other. And you guys saw the, the sticker or the window sticker, right? Yes. And one was specced out at, you know, 92000 was the same price that I was looking to pay for this car that I have now. And my car was specced out at 111000 yeah, and it makes like, sense when you look at your car as well. You can see the, the money that's been put into it. So Todd finds this car for you. How does it all work then, uh, Bobby? What happens? Does he, does he get the, the car shipped to Oregon? How do you get it checked? How do you know that everything's okay for your first 911? So what he has to do is he has to get the car shipped to Oregon. First of all, he has to buy it. And the dealer still wanted more where Todd wasn't going to be able to make any money. Right. Um, so I, he, he wanted to wait a little longer to go to auction. Yeah. I, I've been looking for so long. I just said, make the guy a pre-auction okay. uh, offer. And he, and he goes, okay, this, we might lose this car if I do that. I said, I, I've been looking at this car for a couple months waiting for to come to reality. Yep. And he did. Called me back five minutes later. Good choice, Bob. It's okay. yours. So it's yours. So, so okay. what happens then... So when are the checks done then? When are the checks done? You've agreed to buy this car. So have any checks right. been done on the car? I mean, is, have you seen the not, service not records? Yet. Not yet. Okay. Yes. I've, I've seen the service records. And what I liked about it is the last owner had always had it serviced at Porsche down in, I'll say it's Walnut Creek, California. Okay. And um, the Carfax shows all that. They have records to back it up. Right. The last owner owned it for, it's a 13-year-old car. He owned it for 12. 
Oh, wow. The first okay. owner owned it for about a year. Okay, right. that's good so history. So you can yeah. see why I wanted this, right? Yeah, yeah. You see why I wanted this car. Yep. And that's why I was willing to, to do this. But by going through my broker, what he does is he, he would be able to explain this better is he is able to take an insurance policy out. Right. On, on the car. So when it gets to Oregon, we have 10 days or 100 miles to file a claim that if it was not as represented. Oh, okay. That's good. Right? So, so you've got that guarantee. Because of that, I was – Okay. Yeah. I kind of had this – I mean, we would still either have to send the car back and pay for the shipping, um, but that's part of his fee, right? Okay. He, I give him my price, or he tells me my price – and all this he has to factor in yep, yep. to make money, including if he has to ship the car back. Yep. So he paid for the shipping up. He has a tech that works for him that uh, looks over the car, uh, codes it, see if there's any code, see if anything was reset, okay. um, see if there was a tune put into it. So it gives um, you the confidence. It gives you the confidence. There's a process there and he goes through certain checks and, and it gives you the confidence to move forward. So you say yes to this car. So let's tell the listeners yep. because I want to get into the car. Tell the listeners exactly uh, exactly what this uh, your first Porsche is, Bobby. Um, it's in, the, it's it's in a, the description, but tell them exactly what it is and you know what the options are and some of the key options that made you um, really want this car. It's a 2008 Porsche 4S. Um, it has a brown natural leather interior it's got what's called i think it's deviating carpet where mm-hmm. i think that's where they offset the color of is it i think it's where they offset the color of the the actual door panels and stuff like that so okay my my dash my door panels my seats are all this it's it's leather everywhere natural brown leather but the the carpet around the car is all this black deviating carpet and, and um it's got the sports chrono package it's got the module for the the telephone it's got nav it's got the bose high-end sound package i got formats in the interior color um what's really cool about it is the do- door entry um guards you know there's there's stainless steel you yes. see them a lot right yeah it's the ones I usually get. it's painted that mm. says 4s yeah. These are 4S illuminated. Yeah. So they like they they laser cutted the Carrera 4S out. Yeah. And so when you open the door a light comes on. Yeah, they are nice. See- nice little touch. You know what else I really like and I'm looking at the one the picture you sent me. Um and your interior color is a good color because it's not that it's not the light color, it's a darker color, isn't it? You know, it's not that light sort of beige sort of uh, Porsche leather color. I really like your steering wheel as well. You've got the good steering wheel. That's the one I want. The round one. I've got yeah, the triangle one. That's a great wheel. Yeah, it's the uh, thick. It's it's an add-on. It's a thicker leather steering wheel where yeah, that's an extra wrap on That's it. an option for sure. Right. Yeah. I don't know if you notice a lot of guys when I, the picture I sent you this morning um, of just the back end. It's got mm. the red taillights, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's a factory option. It, right. And so, which is cool. It's a lot of people would put aftermarkets in there, but Porsche made a factory option if you want it all red taillights and, and this guy did and uh, it also had the, it's got fab speed headers fab speed exhaust okay. um and it, it's it he put the guy who owned it before it, it was actually his wife's car which <laughs> really <laughs> my friends always tease me about that oh you got a lady's car <laughs> oh, isn't that cute and uh 
but he used to race Porsches. Oh, and so okay. he did a couple minor things to it. Um, so it's got the fab speed performance I've, package I've, on it. You know, I've had a few people on owner stories who have had uh, bought, I think 997s actually, who the cars have also had the fab speed on. Fab speed's quite popular, isn't it? It's more popular yes. than what I thought it was. Um, what other modifications did the owner did do to the car? It looks like you've got different pedals as well, have you, from this image? It looks like you've yep, got sports different pedals, pedals, racing pedals. Yep, put some sports racing pedals in, probably because the gentleman, uh, his racing, Porsche racing hat heritage. Um, I was able to find out who he was. He was very gracious to talk to me. Um, I sent him a text message, told him who I was. Um, oh, and good. he gave me the, uh, you can't put a price on it the history of the car. Yes. You know, the, the peace of mind of knowing that this person cared for the car and they, his wife, um, had an injury. He couldn't drive a car anymore. And that's why they sold it. Yeah. And I keep coming back to this in, in other, other podcasts and other owner stories. And, and I think, you know, I got it from Jay Leno actually, because Jay Leno was talking about it. I think when, how he buys cars. And I think he was talking about that Brown Porsche that he bought the 71 or 72 Porsche mm-hmm. 911 and how there's a story. He likes cars with a story. It's like, he doesn't want to buy the car and then he goes and sees it and it's got this great story and he goes, Oh, I have to buy it. You know what I mean? And it, it's kind of like that. And with you, how you, you know, you got in contact with the owner, it's knowing that story, you know, that you're a caretaker of this car and then, you know, you've got that story and you can share that story with the next owner. And I think that's what's great about Porsche. And that's what's great about the Porsche community is that there's these stories out there and they're being shared and they're being spoken about and, and they become part of the car. And I think that's what's, um, what's really great about it. The other option I noticed on your car, Bobby, is the um, dials as well. They're, that's quite unique, the color of your dials. And I think I mentioned that to you in the message when you showed me that picture. Um, I haven't seen dials it, that color it before. Is. Yeah, usually the S model is what will have the white gauges yeah correct well they they optioned um it's called uh instrument dials natural brown xf is the code for it so when they when they spec'd it out they wanted the dials to be the same color as the interior and at night when you illuminate the cluster oh looks beautiful it works and it looks like they're pretty easy to see during the daytime as well they're quite Super clear sometimes the white the dials contrast. are a bit, a bit too hard sometimes a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't like white dials i noticed um and i noticed yeah. some s's and four s's they spec them without the white dials you could have actually spec them with just black if you wanted all the normal color so what are, exactly. what other what other aftermarket modifications so it's got the fab speed exhaust it's got a really good sound you don't have to worry about that um nope. anything else there's the only previous? one other there's Two things that they did uh, that he did that was one that I loved is it originally came with 19 inch turbo wheels. Okay. But if you look at that, those pictures, um, those are real GTS three wheels. Oh, okay. Those are GT, excuse me, GT three wheels. GT three wheels, are they? Oh, so they are. So they always put GT three wheels on it. So they are. Yep. They are. They're the same yep. as what's on Steve's, um, I, Steve's I, 997 GT3. Yep. Yes, exactly. They look exactly the same. I, I love them. I think that's such a nice touch. And it's probably from his racing heritage that he thought that car would look good with yep. it. But another thing they did is they, they clear broad the whole front of the car. Right. Um, which is nice. 
And how's that holding up, Bobby? Because after, after a bit of time, you notice that it gets nicks in it and sometimes they discolor. How's that holding up, that, that Clebra? Great. The car, they, the car was in amazing shape when I got it. Um, there's a couple nicks in it, but it's only something I'm going to notice. Um, you, you don't really notice it. Okay, so <clears throat> you're at home. Um, Todd's sorted out this car for you. It gets delivered to your house, so you have to go and pick it up from somewhere. What is that? What is that first moment like when all those years and your progression from, you know, the pickup to the Camaro to the Factory Five Racing, and now you've got the 911. You've got a car that you both, you and your wife, can enjoy. How is that feeling? Did you pick it up by yourself, or did you take your wife along? No, uh, she she's still working. She works all the time. I, I have nothing but time during the day because being retired. Uh, he called me up, and I I went over to the shop right away. I knew it was there. It had been there, but it had to go through the inspection, uh, DEQ. You know, he was going to go clean the car up so it made a good impression. And the first thing I see is I come from the the back of it, just how gorgeous the hips on this car Mm. was yeah because it is it's it's basically a turbo body it's just yep and i was just going i can't oh and the and the the rear uh the rear fairing was up the uh, okay yeah and so it and i think that's because i was talking about the whale fin you know before about and it just because i like that look yeah you know with the tail up yeah, it looks and, good. and I was just, I, like I am right now, I was just shaking my head and just speechless <laughs> because I was like, I can't believe I did it. Yeah. You know, I had a goal and it took several years and, um, but it must've been, must've been a great feeling. Must've been a great feeling. It was, it's still, it's still a great feeling. I've owned yeah. it for about three weeks now, I think, I think three weeks, maybe a month. Is it, and, and that's very new. That's very new. So is it, every, but it's everything that you thought it would be. It fits the purpose perfectly. Your wife enjoys it. It's, it's a great, it, it's a great all round um, sports car. Great all around sports car. And, and we went to the Oregon wine country last weekend and uh, she's been working really hard at work. I said, we, we need to make some time for us. And this is why we got, and, um, I drove her around so she could blind taste and the back roads to the Oregon wine country is just beautiful. And then in, when, when you see, remember early in the podcast, we were talking about looking over the front yeah. and seeing those headlights, right? And if you're driving through wine country, seeing that, and you got your best friend next to you, it just, that's why I bought yep. the car. Yeah. And that's the first right time. That's obviously that, that moment that you'll always remember. That that moment is obviously that moment. And, and, I, and I picked that moment. I wanted it to be special. So I, the first time that she was in the car, that's what we did. Yep. So how does it feel? You know, because we all know when we first get a 911. I mean, I was a bit scared to drive my 911 when I first got it. I thought, you know, is it going to? Am I going to lose control of it? Is it too powerful? You know, you have these kind of feelings in your head. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because um, I didn't come from very fast cars. You know, reasonably fast, but not super fast. So. How did it compare, though, in your head now when you've had it? You've only had it a few months, but how did it compare to the to the previous cars, to the to the replica and to the Camaro? Is it far, far removed? Like you know, the the Porsche engineering, you know, the weight transfer, the rear the rear engine, and everything like that. 
How do you describe it's, that? Was that was that a really weird feeling for you going into this German re-engined, re you know, sports car? Yeah, it it was because the other two cars were like riding on the back of a gorilla, right? <laughs> and they were just they were. That's a great way. You couldn't trust right it. You didn't know, right? You didn't know. It wasn't. They weren't very predictable about what they were going to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were just so much torque. Yeah. And. The difference with a Porsche, remember as a police officer, we, we respond to emergency calls all the time. Mm. So I drove over hundred miles an hour every day of my career, right? Going to, going to emergency 911 calls, right? So I'm accustomed to driving fast. We have, I've had years and years of training, not like race car training, but I was going to ask you I've, that actually, I was going to ask you that because I, I thought, you know, you'd be, you're a pretty good driver then you'd be a very good driver because you trained to be a good driver, right? You've been trained to drive fast, right. but I've, safe. Lots of hours. Yeah. Right. Lots of hours with an instructor on the course teaching safe. Cause they don't want us to, you know, it, get it like vehicle pursuits, very yes. dangerous. Yes. You know, when I started, we used to chase cars so the wheels fell off. And now times have changed and there's very few crimes that we will pursue getting a vehicle pursuit. But, you know, let me tell you something, Michael, there's that nothing must be more scary. fun. Is that scary though? When you first become a, a, an officer and you do those and you have to do a pursuit for the first time and you're driving. I mean, my brother, my brother in Australia is, was a fireman and he learned to drive the truck and he was telling me how he's, you know, learning to drive that truck and driving that truck. It was, and at those speeds was quite scary. I reckon it'd be worse being an officer and driving a, a, a police car, which is even faster. Well, not, not only that, what's crazy about when you first learn is that you're trying to talk to the radio, right. To let everybody else know what's going on. This is the direction we're traveling. This is our speeds. This is the traffic around me. These are the crimes I have. This is why I'm chasing this car. Uh, and giving update, predicting the next street that's coming yeah. up. Okay, yeah. we're coming up on Burnside. We're going to travel, you know, south on 47th. You know, um, you have to, you have all that in your head, and you have to drive in a yeah. way that you're not going to crash, yeah. and you got to keep up with this person, yeah. right? So it's a, a bit overwhelming, but as you get years on you and experience and more training, it's – you know, we always joke, we're steering with one hand, talking to the radio, drinking our a cup of coffee while we're, <laughs> you know, the car. I'm exactly that's, that's not how you drive your 911, though, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> there's no, uh, there's no, I don't let any, uh, no drinks or food in the car right now. <laughs> no drinks or food. So but what I notice about yes. the 911 is it's, it's so refined. Yeah. It's very predictable. And it's, the car will go much faster than I'm comfortable. Even I'm comfortable driving. Yeah. Right. And I've, I've drove very fast. Um, but it's so safe. The, the all wheel drive uh, of the four S it, it's like the car is on rails. It's unbelievable. When I drove some other, the non two wheel drives. A lot of guys like to, they like the back end to get a little loose, feel a little more engaged. I don't like that. You know, I, I like the security of the all wheel drive. Yeah. And then, you know, the nine eleven just, you know, the cornering enjoyment in a nine eleven just can't be beaten. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't think it can be beaten. It's just that feeling that you get and you feel it. You know, the first time I drove my car and I've said this story many times over, you know, on a twisty road outside of, you know, South of Sydney mm -hmm. and in Australia. And it's just like, you just, 
feel it. You just feel the weight transfer. You feel the power. You feel how much power, like you said, even on my base Carrera, you feel how much more power you have. Um, and you realize how much faster you can take a corner than what you did in your previous cars. That's the one thing that I noticed, you know, and you look at the speedo and you go, wow, I'm going that fast around this corner. That's probably too fast. You just giggle. Yeah, and you make it. Yeah, you and go, it works. how am I going this fast? Yeah, and it works, right. which is crazy. Yep. Bobby, you've got your dream car. You've got your Porsche 911. What else have you, are you like all of us and you're thinking, what else can I do? Is there anything you want to add to it or is it perfect just the way it is? It's, you know, it's, I, it's pretty dang perfect. Um, I love the GT3 wheels, you know. Um, I didn't mind that. I, I like the look of the turbo wheels also, but it, so a lot of this stuff was, I was lucky that the last owner cared for this car. Yes. They made, all the maintenance was done. Everything that needs to be done was always done. It, it's, the interior is flawless. Um, there's no dents, no even little door dings on it. Um, I probably would have changed the wheels if it didn't have the GT3 wheels on it, but that is such a good look on no, that the car. the wheels are great. They're, they're, uh, they're not cheap wheels either. They're expensive wheels. The no, GT3 I'm wheels. glad I didn't have to pay for them. Yeah. Yeah, they're and very they look, expensive. Yeah, they look fantastic, and I like how they're silver. They look they're good. in great shape. Great shape. The, the two things that I that – I, well, the one thing I thought about is I went back and forth and read some forums about maybe tinting the windows because okay. my BMW, the, I like the windows tinted. Um and then I've looked at a lot of the photographs that you post on your feed. Um, I, it's, it's a preference. It's just not for me on this particular car. You know what? It, you know what, Bobby? Um, I've been thinking about this, and I haven't actually mentioned it before, but I'm going to mention it now. I've been thinking that I may remove the tint on my car when I get back to Australia. Um, my car came tinted. It's quite heavily tinted, actually. I didn't realize, but in some photos, it looks very heavily tinted. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking about removing the tint. Now, I don't know if that's going to be more problematic than, than what it's worth because I know I've heard stories that on the back window, if it's been quite hot and it's had a lot of heat to it with the radiator sort of thing in the window and the glass, it mm -hmm. can actually be hard to come off. But I kind of like this clean look on 911s where you can see in. You know what I mean? That, that old classic look yes. where you can just see into the car. Um, I know Steve's probably listening to this and laughing, but... Um, I, I have been thinking about it. I have been thinking about removing the tint. So I understand why you don't want to go down that, that route. Um, but then again, you I, know, I love the interior so much. Yeah, I yeah. want, I want people to see it. It's part of the yeah. character of the car. Yeah. And the black nine eleven, and you know, I'm like I've said before, I haven't always been a fan of different colored leather interiors, but in the last few years, and I think it's because we lived in, you know, living in Bahrain um, for the couple of years, you know, that you see a lot of cars with red interior, tan interior. I'm still not a huge fan of red interiors. I don't mind the new Porsche interiors where they're two-tone, where the dash is black mm -hmm. and then red. But I think a black, you know, a black 911 with that, with a tan, your colored interior always looks really good. Even if it's in a Boxster, it looks really good. Um, a guy in Sydney that, that I speak to who, who has a, has a Boxster and, a, and an air-cooled. His Boxster has got red leather with full carbon, like it was fully uh, specked out. He's actually put a post on his Instagram today and a picture of it. And it looks fantastic. You know what I mean? It's that little bit of point of difference. Mm -hmm. But what I like about your car, like you said, you look through the windows, it's not tinted, and you can see the, the leather. You can see the quality of the leather, and it's very nice, uh, very, very nice. The only other thing I thought about is I – I did not want to put a factory. I didn't want a car that had one and I wasn't going to put a factory head unit in. Um, I, I, 
I like the look, even though the head unit's horrible, right? That sounds, is, yeah. you can get an aftermarket stereo. It sounds way better than that. That's not why I got the car. No. You know, I want it to look how it came off. So there's some aftermarket Bluetooth uh, connections that will connect to that head unit. So that's probably the only thing right now that I'll do. And I'm the, like the, the Camaro, complete new suspension, right? Went through it straight away. But this car is just how I wanted it. Perfect. So have you, do you have to get a service done? Is it, was the service history, like what was happening with that? Is it due for a major service or a minor service or how is it looking on that front? They just did the, they, at 56.5, I think 56,500 miles, they put new, uh, put a new coil and all new plugs Okay. and did the 60,000 miles service on it. So I don't have to. But there wasn't – that was two years ago. Okay. They hadn't drove the car. So I – mechanics are – you know, Porsche certified mechanics are booked right now. Right. I don't know if it's like that. Not, you know, where you're – it's just booked here. It's, it's hard okay. to get an appointment. So I booked appointment straight away, and I'm going to get it checked out again um, and get the oil changed. Oh, that's and good. So I can get on that yearly – I want to get on a yearly oil change because yeah. you've read all the forms. It's the yep. Porsches, you need to drive them and you need to keep the oil fresh. Absolutely. Um, I think that's a good idea. I, that's a good idea. So, Bobby, what, what, what else? Yes. Sorry. So what were we going to say? I've cut you off. Uh, the one little funny thing about it where a brand new Porsche owner, and I'm sure everybody's probably experienced this, is when I first drove it back from the broker's the, where he stored it at, um, it hadn't been fully charged and I, okay. it started blowing codes <laughs> and I was like, yeah. what is going on? Yeah, yeah, How yeah. much is this? And it was set up to be on a trickle charger. Right. So I got it home and I put it on the, he said, just put it back on your trickle charger. Cause I had a trickle charger for both the other cars. Cause I, I don't drive them that often. And I, the next day, all the codes cleared and, and same thing happened when, uh, um, he, Part of the deal, he, we we got new tires for it. Okay. Also, because the tires were in good shape, but they were old. Oh, okay. And safety. Yes. My wife was very uncomfortable driving other cars because safety. So I put a brand new um, Michelin what PS2s, the N rating ones. Yep. Same as what just I've got on mine. Yep. Four, the, which they recommend. Yeah. I just you? put four brand new of those. Good tires. Driving home, all of a sudden, yeah, the great tires. But then the, the light went on. What's going on with this light? The, the tires, the what? What was the and, light? You know, it was about the scent. There wasn't sensing the pressure in the light. Oh, the, because uh, they've tires. got to do something with the, with the tire pressure monitor sensor, right? That's in the wheel. Yes. I don't have so those in I, my car, but I know Steve's mentioned it. There's, there's something they have to reset, don't they? Yeah, you have to reset it. And I, luckily, I got all the, all the, books and everything from this car and and i had read just enough a different uh uh like six speed um online all the online chat places yeah, yeah. that i read like hey quit asking questions on facebook groups and this bust out your owner's manual and read about your car so i did that and i figured out how to re reset <laughs> it and i did and yeah Great advice. I think everyone forgets that. There's there's a wealth of information in your owner's manual. 
Um, there are there so is. Many, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's funny when you go to the forums and someone has the, the, the image of the, the page in the owner's manual and there it is. There's the ansatz. Like, just read your manual. Yep. No one reads the manuals anymore. I actually nope. did read mine. I actually did read mine. I was a bit crazy like that. I took it upstairs. I took it into our apartment in Sydney and I was like sitting there and I just read it over a few days when I first got the car um, just to familiarize myself with, you know, certain things. So, Bobby, we're coming to the end of the podcast. We've gone a little bit longer than the hour, but that's fine. I want to talk about your favorite drives because everyone, everyone likes to know uh, where to drive their sports car, where to drive their 911. Someone's coming to um, Portland. Someone's coming to Oregon. What's the place where you where you would recommend for a great drive in a Porsche or any other car, in fact, and a, and a road that you enjoy or the road that you want to enjoy in your 911? Well, I, I would say um, go up the old Columbia River Highway up in Corbett, Oregon. It's a his, historic road, uh, very windy, a lot of waterfalls. It, it's just gorgeous. Um, best time to drive it is in the fall when all the leaves are turning. Not in the summertime because it's just bumper to bumper with people looking at waterfalls. Oh, okay. Um, um, I let's see where else. Oregon wine country. It's beautiful. You know. Fantastic. I have to say it's a place I do want to visit. I've never been to Oregon, and it is a place that I would like to visit one day when things get back to normal. That's for sure. Hit me up. I will. I will. Bobby, anything else you want to share with the listeners before we go? No, thank you. I appreciate your podcast. Like I said, I really used uh, your listening to all the old podcasts and doing research about what vehicle I wanted and why. And so thank you. No, thanks for coming on and, and thanks for reaching out to me. And I'm glad you um, had the time today to, to, to share your story. And I think everyone's going to enjoy it. And I really like how you, you know, you, you had a plan. Do you know what I mean? I, I Because... It doesn't always come, you know, I know some people get their first 911 when they're 20. It doesn't always happen for all of us. And it seems there's a trend that we always get a Porsche later in life. Um, it's not a midlife crisis sort of thing. It's just priorities and, and, and how we progress. Yes. But I like how you worked the way up, how you thought about it. You know what I mean? Um, especially from your, you know, your 2013, wasn't it? Toyota pickup and then your 69 Camaro then yep. your factory five racing. And now your career for us, which is, um, like you said, your dream car. So I think it's, uh, oh, it's gorgeous. I love it's a great it. story really is. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bobby. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for the chat. All right, everyone. Uh, that's Bobby coming in from Portland in Oregon uh, with his 2008 911 Carrera 4S 997, my favorite generation of the Porsche 911, that's for sure. It's Bobby's first Porsche and it's his dream car. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Porsche School podcast. That's it for today. Bye for now. Oh.